Hello, and welcome to the Blue Earth Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Future Frogmen, a not-for-profit organization focused on keeping our waters safe, clean, and protected. This podcasting event focuses on five university students and their attempts to create environmentally conscious products that alleviate some of the problems caused by modern society. Today's episode is the third of three installments that have released this week that focus on alleviating some of these problems using a familiar thing that you are definitely aware of if you've seen our last two episodes, kelp. So I'm not going to give too much away. Without further ado, let's get into the last pitch. Last but not least, coming into the tank is Louis Crack, and Louis an environmental studies master's student at Southern. Oh, wow. And Louis got a blue hot button that aims to inform and enlighten. Hello, everyone. I was part of the business, um, the business plan competition of the CT Entrepreneurship Foundation that was held back in May. So this is the um, presentation that uh, my team and I had made for that event. Great. I was the teaching assistant for what affectionately became known as kelp class, which is Dr. Heidkamp's brainchild. And he put me in charge of a team of undergraduate students. Uh, We all put our heads together and came up for an idea for a mobile ocean data app that we call Crystal Blue. So Crystal Blue is in its very infancy in terms of a prototype, but we want to design an intuitive, customizable data app that delivers um, ocean data to ocean farmers who we define as shellfish farmers. Um, We're going to begin targeting in the Long Island Sound region, using that as a stepping stone for larger markets in um, Maine, Alaska, the West Coast. They're already established there and growing as well. So why, why should you care about ocean data? What is ocean data? So here I have listed just three very basic data parameters, data measures that ocean farmers need to know about and need to be cognizant of on a daily basis. For one, temperature. Um, There's optimal growth temperatures for seaweed, for kelp, for example. Uh, Also salinity. Um, Your shellfish are going to not grow as much. Your seaweed is gonna stop growing if salinity is disturbed. Also, if pH falls out of range, your crops may flat out die. So um, yeah, you need to know what's going on in the water and it happens to be a huge pain uh, to try and collect the data yourself. So here are just some really basic and on the cheaper end of sensors that you would need for minimal, you know, things like salinity, temperature, and pH. You're looking at an initial investment of uh, over $2,500 just for the bare minimum, not to mention the time that it takes to collect, uh, the maintenance, the repair, the calibration, it's an expensive endeavor and we're trying to free up farmers time so that they can do what they wanna do, which is farm. So what kind of competition is there for our our little data app here? So this is uh, some screenshots from the LISCOS website. So this is the Long Island Sound Integrated Coastal Observing System, which is uh, a conglomeration of buoys. So they're only singular data points that our uh, Yukon has put in the water already to collect some data, which is publicly available. But as you can see from this outprint here, a lot of data values are missing. Buoys go offline. There's even a disclaimer that says the information provided is not guaranteed to be correct or complete. So uh, not the best, the, the website itself is also clunky and difficult to navigate. 
We're trying to pioneer a novel data collection method instead of buoys being just singular points. So if the data, if the buoy is here and your farm's like way off over here, how accurate are those readings? So we had an idea to partner with a local uh, company based in Wallingford called Exocetus. They manu manufacture underwater autonomous vehicles, uh, which they call gliders, but they are under the water. So we are looking at a model called the Hummingbird, which is set to debut hopefully later this uh, summer. It's still in the process of being developed or manufactured, but you put this thing in the water, it's battery powered, it can operate for months at a time. Um, it just you know glides under the surface and continuously collects data. Uh, you can add, um, there's like four sensor ports so you can put your own meters in there. It's continuously collecting data and you know it is relatively it, you know it would be undisturbed it wouldn't get in the way of recreation or shipping or anything like that and here are just some numbers we came up with um the largest cost in the the startup revenue is purchasing a hummingbird glider they're about uh 70 grand is what we were quoted last time we talked to Exocetus. We're hoping to get more than one. Our data collection will improve with multiple uh, units that we can kind of like pattern around the existing farms to use uh, for interpolation purposes so that we're getting more accurate readings than just stationary measures with the buoys. Um, and we also had an idea to market to other people like recreationalists and research institutes and universities. Um, here's a breakdown of what we came up with in terms of what sort of features would be involved in uh, the various subscription packages, but in our development of this app this summer, we're focusing just on you know the bare basics for ocean farmers in Long Island Sound. So just to kind of reiterate the whole point of this is that you shouldn't need a crystal ball to do your job unless you're psychic. And uh, this app is aimed to take all the guesswork out of the data collection, interpretation, and analysis needed to be a successful ocean farmer in Long Island Sound. Mm. This one reminds me a lot of one that I saw three years ago. Uh, Jeff knows a lot about it too. It's called Land Maverick. It's doing basically what you're doing, but for golf courses. Mm -hmm. So they have an electronic probe and basically attached to a Roomba that goes around the golf course at night. And it does electronic probes that don't leave any divot. And they say, put water here, uh, you know, something to make the grass go better here or whatever. And the idea is to minimize the impact on the sound. The, the hardest part of it was you, you said, it's basically gonna cost you about 140 to get started. What if somebody gave you 10 now? How would you spend it? Definitely on app development and market research. One of our biggest obstacles right now, the app is already in process. So uh, I have a computer science undergrad student working on the actual app development right now, and we'll continue to do so for the summer. But the biggest question we're trying to answer is what data do farmers care about and what data are they willing to pay for? So we really need to get to know our market better. And seeing as it's very small in Connecticut, you know, only about 14 or 15 permitted farmers which which with many more permits in the process but you know it's really humble beginnings mm -hmm. 
So I have a couple of questions and it relates to this. And, and it's what would they do with the data if they had it? If somebody tells you the water's too cold to grow kelp in, what do you do about it? Well, I, I think there are short-term and long-term answers to that. Like there's, there's nothing you can do about it in the short term, but one of the concerns and one of the reasons to start collecting this data in a more research capacity is, you know, with global warming, the waters are projected to get warmer and warmer and kelp is a cold water species. So it could be that in 50 years, there is no kelp growing in Long Island Sound. As for the short term, you know, I think that with temperature in, in particular, they're looking at the time surrounding the growing season. So when are you going to seed your lines, for example? Mm -hmm. You want to pay attention to the water temperatures to make sure you're not putting the seeds in there when it's too cold and they'll die. So, uh, and, and again, a great leap. First, I think this is a great idea. We're all familiar with Emily Yale's thing, doing the same thing on golf courses. As an old, by the way, the, one of the largest industrial companies on the planet is a company called Schlumberger that got started by measuring soil conductivity inside oil wells. So generating data in remote locations where it can be valuable is a great idea. With regard to implementation, I'm not sure you need to own your glider. Can't you lease them? Uh, um, maybe deal oh. these folks in early. I, I don't know. I mean, I, th I think you've really got something here. Let me, let me be clear. I think gathering data that is impactful for a commercial product that people don't currently have, I think you're going to find a way to make money from it. But I'm not quite sure how you make money if nobody can act on the data you collect. Louis, Louis, how many farmers have you talked to? Well, um, Long Island Sound Farmers won. Um, I did go to the Rhode Island Seaweed Symposium back in March, and that drew a bunch of farmers from all over the country, as well as a lot of other industry people. And so I floated the idea in a working group there, and it drew quite a bit of interest. But in terms of like one-on-one -on -one conversations with farmers, specifically on Long Island Sound, you know, only a couple. It may be your customers, the U.S. government. It may be that the data itself is just useful, right? I mean, like gathering weather data. I, I, I think the idea of gathering as a public good data people don't currently have is something you should find a way to get paid for. I think it's a, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, but I'm not quite sure how you make a business out of it just yet. Okay, well, uh, Louis, great presentation, very interesting, a lot going on in that space. And uh, are we over time, uh, Richard? We're we're flexible. Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're one, flexible. one more comment for Louis, please, please. Louis. The reason why the golf course thing will become a business is conservation. Right. So if you, it's going to conserve water when you don't have to water. It's not going to water. You're not going to use too much fertilizer. You're going to have the right pH, da, 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 da. and of course, you're going to have an enhanced experience for the golfer, which is, for private clubs, important. So that's why it works in that category. So what you need to do is, is, is figure out, not, not so much, technology is interesting. You can see that's where you're focused, but who needs this thing and why do they need it? Why, who needs the data, like Matt said, and what are they going to do with it? Is it going to save them money? Is it going to make them, you know, why, why do they want this information? And when you get that uh, dialed, you've got something to, uh, you might have a business. Then you can go to CT Next and get a grant and get it funded. And you can raise with no strings attached, 10, 
$20,000, I'm sure your school can help you with that or, or Professor Huntley or even myself, Matt, whatever. But uh, the money's out there. But you're going to have to demonstrate that there's a market and they really need you badly. Because that, that, that takes you from an idea to a business. Yeah, I, I appreciate those comments because that's what, what we were wrestling with really when we were trying to get our business proposal ready for the, the competition in April, you know, without knowing the market, without knowing which part of the equation is valuable and to pursue. Kind of all the pieces are there, but I don't think they're in, the, in quite the right order or position or, you know, there's definitely room for some tinkering. Um, Keep working on it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look up that Land Maverick company for some inspiration. So thank you. At the risk of being redundant, there are three questions to ask about something like what you're doing. What's your product? Who's your customer? How do you get paid? You know what your product is. It's data. But you really don't know who your customer is. You, you may be in the survey business selling people opportunities in Long Island Sound where they should be planting kelp that they don't already know about. Yeah, that's right. All right. So you know what your product is, it's data, but you don't know who your customer is and you don't know how you get paid. And that's the difference between having a great research program and having something that can turn into a business. Okay. Well, uh, we're not really over because we, we did uh, extend the time to one uh, fifteen. but I think in order to be fair to all the presenters, so it's somewhat balanced, um, we should stop here. But, uh, I'm available. If anyone needs any introductions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you may have captured some of that in the chat, but really exciting, outstanding work by all of you. And I knew that your businesses were all early stage. Some have developed uh, more than I realized. And uh, I think you all have some good potential, particularly if you can address some of the uh, questions and advice that was provided to you by our, our great panel. I thank you students and uh, I thank you panel very much. I, ho I hope you all enjoyed it and uh, learned something from it too. Now, thank you. This was a stunning collection of brilliant ideas and great people and it's absolutely brightened my day. Cause for hope. Thank you, Richard, for pulling these people together. This was great. Thank, well, thank you, Richard. Thank you. All right, have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Just to echo that sentiment, we at Future Frogmen and Blue Earth want to thank uh, all of the students who participated in this. Um, a bunch of really good ideas that show that there's innovative ways to change the future. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Blue Earth Podcast. You can find us on all social media at Future Frogmen. You can find our website at futurefrogmen.org. And other than that, we look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of the Blue Earth Podcast. And remember, until then... Anyone can be an ocean ambassador. Thank you.